Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you, Sunshine Girls, for that beautiful reminder. And I tell you what, if your feet wasn't patting, something wrong with you. Yeah, something wrong, something wrong. So, uh, Lord is great, isn't he? Amen. He's great and greatly to be praised. Uh, if I can find where I'm at in this thing right here, uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians tonight, this morning. We're going to go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin, in, uh, begin reading in verse 11. And uh, if uh, just a reminder before we get started, uh, we will have this Sunday singing next week. And I hope uh, all of you that want to sing are signed up out there because uh, and uh, we, we want to come and celebrate and, uh, and uh, praise the Lord in song. And there will be a meal served before we sing. So y'all bring your favorite dish. And I think... Uh, Brother James and uh, Jeremiah are going to cook chicken on the brand new grill we got back there. So uh, y'all come for a treat and come for a blessing and, and come to sing. Amen? Come to sing. And uh, Johnny Crow, by the way, I signed you up on that list back there. You that the one I scratched out? Did you do that? <laughs> I didn't know who signed he might have to sing uh, uh, Hot Rod Angel Wing next Sunday, i tell you what. Uh, but anyway, it's good to see all of you here, and, and uh, we've got a lot of empty pews right here, so uh, uh, we need to try to fill them pews up, don't we? You know, when it's, uh, when it's spring, then it's summer, then it's fall, then it's winter, it's hard to get people interested in getting up in the morning when it's cold, isn't it? Amen. We're going to be talking to you uh, this morning. Uh, my message title this morning is Being Reconciled to Jesus Christ. It is a blessing that Jesus Christ has reconciled us. Amen. You know what that means? He has saved our souls. And we are now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And y'all, it came with a great price to him. We need to be so thankful that we serve a Savior who loves us more than we can imagine. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time you were without Christ. I want y'all to think about that statement for a minute. People who are saved, who have Jesus, don't know how blessed they are. And people who are without Christ don't know how much danger they're in. These people were of the uncircumcision and that, that all that, that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say, but now. But now. In Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off or made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. For He is our peace 
who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandment, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached to you which were afar off, and to, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Hallelujah. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And whom all the building fitly framed together. Groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. And whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a Savior who came and died in order to reconcile us to you. But not only did he accomplish that, Lord, he tore down barriers that kept us and denied us access to our Father. Lord, thank you for the reconciling work that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for saving our souls and redeeming us by his blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Paul reminds us as Gentiles that we in the past were without Jesus Christ. When we look at our world today, there is a lot of lost people in the world. And although it is available to us, not all will believe. Not all will receive. Not all will come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is a great catastrophe of the world. A great loss unto God himself that loves us and loves them unconditionally. One who gave himself for us. One who shed his own blood for us. One who knew no sin, who became sin for us and nailed our sin to the cross. And yet he is oftentimes rejected. He is oftentimes denied access. He is oftentimes turned away from by a world who is hell-bent on lust and sin. He must be saddened at that. But he still has a church. Amen? Amen. God has a chosen people in Israel who were of the circumcision. And those who were of the uncircumcision were not part of the chosen race. He calls us in, in the scripture here aliens 
You know, we use alias today as a derogatory word about people coming across that border. We call them illegal aliens. We need to think about how we all were in that day. How we all were illegal aliens to the Jewish people. How we were looked down upon with distrust, disdain, and pure hatred sometimes. Where there was a separation between the people who were called God's people and us who were the Gentile people. We were without hope. We were without Christ. We were without salvation. Praise God. And we were called aliens of the commonwealth and strangers from the covenant of promise. And we had no hope. We had no hope without God in the world. Y'all people who are not saved without Christ still have no hope. We have brothers and sisters and husbands and wives children and grandchildren who are without hope because they don't know Jesus Christ. We have neighbors and friends and acquaintances and fellow workers that are without hope because they don't know Jesus. We must rise above our callousness toward that. We must be an example of Jesus Christ. We have a group of young people sitting right here together. Christian young people. They are called to be lights in their school. Amen. They are called to show forth Jesus Christ to those students who don't know them. We have people who go to work every day and sit in offices or work out in the public every day who are surrounded by people who are lost without hope. We are to show forth Christ to them. <clears throat> We are to be an example to them. They are to witness what salvation in Jesus Christ looks like. They're supposed to know what mercy and grace and forgiveness and compassion is supposed to look like. We have to live our lives that example in order for them to see that. Because see, at one time, y'all, we didn't have that. We didn't have that right. I remember when I was still lost and I would drive by church houses while I was sipping on my wine and drinking and partying all the time. And I would make fun of those people who were standing out there with their Bibles up under their arms. I thought they were nobodies. I thought they never have any fun. And I thought that until I met Jesus myself. And he gave me hope. He gave me eternal life. He gave me mercy. He forgave me for all of that things that I said and thought about his people. And he took me in his arms and made me his own. Filled me with his spirit and gave me the power to live for him. Perfect? No. But there. Amen. Praise God for that. 
That's what Jesus has done for us all. Having no hope without God in the world. But praise God. Now in Christ Jesus, we who were sometimes far off are made nigh. Hallelujah. What made us nigh? What made it possible for us to be nigh? Look at what the scripture tells us right there. We are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are redeemed by that blood. Now in Christ Jesus, we who were sometimes far off are made nigh by that blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for that. And look how this happens. Look at verses 14 and 15. He has made us both one, the Jew and the Gentile. He is the peace that passes all understanding. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. We all know that when Jesus hung on the cross, when he hung there suspended between earth and heaven, he was dying. He was ready to die. He was going to die. He knew he was going to die. When he uttered those last words, it is finished. Bible says that the sky was dark. The earth began to tremble. When you read it in all the Gospels, the Bible says that the, some of the graves burst open and the dead rose and walked in the street. The Bible also says that the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom and destroyed the petition that separated man from the Father. But here, this petition he's talking about is not that late. Because he's talking to me and you. He's talking to us as Gentiles. Something the Jewish people still don't understand except those who have met Jesus themselves. There was a wall built in the temple. There was an outer court. And the Gentiles could go there. But they could not enter into the holy place. They could not mix with the Jewish people. And the Jewish people thought that they were God's only people. They were His chosen race, and they were. But Jesus Christ changed all that. Because the Bible says that that wall of partition was broken down. And the Jew and the Gentile became one in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have all the rights of the child of God. We are adopted into the kingdom, if you will. And because of that, he gave us something that we could have never possibly had. He made us joint heirs. Amen. Not with the Jew. He made us Joined heirs with Jesus Christ Himself. When Jesus saves us, we become a child of God through Him. And we become heir to the throne that He will possess. Praise God. Amen. Is there still a separation? Yes. Even in Scripture, there's a separation. All of those who are called by the name of the Lord. All those who have called on the name of the Lord. All of those who are saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
are all together as one. Amen. And there's a lot of the Jewish people who still don't believe in Jesus Christ. Their time is coming, but not yet. Does they still be saved? Yes. How? Just like we are. Nobody's going to come to the Father except through the Son. And if you don't believe that the Son is Jesus Christ, then you're not coming to the Father until that realization comes. Listen to me. That realization is going to come because He is the peace uh, of us all. He has broken down that middle wall. Jesus also in, the in His flesh by giving His body as a living sacrifice abolished the laws and the ordinances. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in His flesh the enmity. The enmity means the hostility. Even the, And look what it is. What is the hostility? What is the enmity that He named and calls out right here? He says that it is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Amen. Y'all know why we don't still live under the Old Testament law? Because He abolished it. He fulfilled it. It's no longer an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. He fulfilled all of that in His holiness and in His righteousness. Does that mean that it's not none of that? No. There's still prophecies written in those by those prophets in the Old Testament that has not taken place yet. We're going to start a study here pretty soon in Revelation on Sunday night. And we're going to see some of those promises that have not been fulfilled yet. The end time prophecy has not been fulfilled yet. And it's there in the Old Testament. So don't write it off. But he said that he has abolished the law. What does that mean? He abolished the need for us to sacrifice bulls and goats. He abolished the need for us to have to go through a priest in order to speak to God. Amen? Amen. You better listen to this. It is a privilege of the utmost importance and significance that we as a people are allowed to talk to God. Amen. We better quit taking that for granted. It's time that the church got on its knees and bowed down and prostrate before Him and called on His holy name. And we can see some of our people get saved. We can see some of our children get saved. We can see some of our grandchildren get saved. We can see our husbands and our wives get saved if we'll bow down to a holy God. He can do anything. Amen. 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 But first, quit making excuses for me. It's just the world we live in. That's why the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be ye separate, mm -hmm. saith the Lord. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. We're not supposed to believe like the world. We're supposed to walk and talk and be led of the Spirit of God because He died to give us that Spirit. Amen. And that is our power. That is our example. When we walk in the Spirit and we're led in the Spirit and we walk in the light as He is in the light. Amen! That is the proof that we know Jesus. And that is what people need to see. And it's high time 
the lost people of this community start seeing the light of Jesus Christ in the saints of God. At school, at work, in the church house, and in your own house. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Where is it most important to live for God? In the church house or in your house? Amen. I, I hear people all the time, well, when they took prayer out of schools, it just killed everything. No, I've got a better one than that. When you quit praying at your house, they took prayer out of school. And it didn't matter to you because you weren't doing it at home. Amen. He broke down all of that. He tore all that up. Jesus likes to tear up things. Jesus likes to tear up worldliness. He likes to make those real educated, but how uppity monkey must look foolish by a peon that's filled with the Spirit. Amen. He will make them look silly. Amen. Because God dwells in them. He is our Prince of Peace. His work is through obedience brought, his, his work through obedience brought reconciliation of old and new, Jew and Gentile, into one body. Guess what that body is? The church. Amen. The body is the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. I'm the church. Amen. This is the place of gathering, but you're the church. Well, you, you say, well, that means I don't have to be here. Then. No, it don't mean that at all. It means we better come together and we better draw strength from one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to lift up these teenagers. We need to lift up our Sunday school teachers. We need to lift up the teachers that teach in school. And we have them here. We need to lift up our school board. We need to lift up people. It's high time that we quit letting an evil, wicked federal government dictate what is taught to our children in our schools. Amen. 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 It's a funny to me that you can teach them about a homosexual, but you can't teach them about Jesus Christ. They can have a prayer mat if they pray to Allah, but they can't say a prayer for Jesus Christ. God help us. And the perversion of the wicked government that brings all this down upon us. It's time that we stood up to that government in the name of Jesus, in the spirit of Christ. Amen. And say enough is enough. And take over our children. Take over our school. Quit leaving using them for a babysitter. And teach them about Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, that ain't even in my notes. I'm telling you, I get so tired of everything getting blamed. You know what? It's time for us to stand. Not in arrogance, not in writing, but to stand in our faith and tell the world who we believe in and why we believe in him. And we're going to teach our kids to believe in him no matter what the books say. Amen. Amen. You know who's that up to? Every parent. Every parent and our students that have been saved are in the midst of that melee. We love y'all. We love all you kids, all you teenagers. Amen. You need to proclaim Jesus Christ. Stand up for Jesus Christ. Live for Jesus Christ. 
let the world know He is your Savior. You know what? That may cost you a little bit here. But over there, whoo! We're going to be studying in Revelation. We're going to be studying about over there. And you're going to be surprised what you're going to get rewarded for over there. And it ain't going to be bowing to man. Amen. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. He is the Prince of Peace. And we are a part of this church. We are made one body, the church, by the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this. For by one spirit, everybody say one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Amen. It's time we took a drink. It's time that we took that bucket with that rope on it and threw it into the wells of salvation and drink it and take the bucket and just drink it all. Amen. Praise God. Jesus preached with word. He preached with deed. He preached with action. He fulfilling the law and giving us his gospel, unifying Jew and Gentile by one spirit, which is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God is how he did that. John chapter 5 verses, uh, John, uh, excuse me, John chapter 5, verse 21. Listen to what he says. For he hath made him to be sin for us all who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. John chapter 15, verse 26. That was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter, everybody say the Comforter. The other word for that is the Holy Spirit, by the way. Or the Holy Ghost, whichever one you prefer to call him. When, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, this is Jesus has promised us, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall do what? He shall testify of me. Not me, Jesus. Amen. That means you are a walking, talking testimony of Jesus Christ if the Holy Ghost lives in you. Amen. And it's time that we quit blaming everything else and get us some of that and get full of power. He didn't tell us he was going to change this world to benefit us, to suit us. Well, that's what we keep trying to do. Well, let me tell you what I read in the back of the book. It ain't going to happen. Quit wasting your time. Start living for Jesus. Because he is the one that's going to take somebody with you that you witness and testify about. You can help somebody else know Jesus. You can help somebody else find Jesus. You can help somebody else be saved. And you'll be glad you did. And they're going to be extremely glad you did. Amen. Amen. The most important thing is not where you're going to go to college. It's not the career you're going to choose. It's not the, the person you're going to marry. The most important thing in this world is do you know Jesus Christ? Amen. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Amen. Amen. Are you one with Him? Are you one with each other? Are you one with a Jew? Amen. We are God's chosen people now. Amen. Woo! I like that, don't you? 
Amen. You said the Jews don't want to say that now. The Gentile can say it too. Praise God. Listen to this. As a result of the work of reconciliation, we are all fellow citizens with all saints, Jew and Gentile alike. And I love this part. Of what? We are made fellow citizens of the household of God. Amen. Amen. Next time somebody asks you where your house is, it's with God. I'm in his household. Are you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We are fellow citizens and of the household of God. Our foundation on which we are built is the gospel of Jesus Christ which has been delivered unto us by the prophets and the apostles. We still preach that gospel. Amen. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. It is still about Jesus Christ. It is still about the power we can have from Him. It's still about yielding to Him, calling on His name. Amen. Dawson, you experienced that here just a few weeks ago, didn't you? Amen. Right down here, after everybody done left, the Lord saved him. Look, <laughs> this is who you are now. Amen. It's who you are. You're a part of the household of God. A fellow citizen with all the believers, all the angels, everything and everybody in heaven. You're a part of them. Amen. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Himself is the chief cornerstone. The Lord builds His own house. Amen? You know what Psalm 127 and 1 says? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If I'm here building this house, it's in vain. But if the Lord builds this house, it is not in vain. Let me tell y'all something. When I first came here, this church was dead. It was gone. It was dead, except for a few faithful. Now, I've heard this before. Amen. But the Lord has the power of resurrection. <laughs> he not only can raise a man from the dead, he can raise a temple from the dead. He can raise a church from the dead. And he and he alone can do that. Amen. Amen. He is the one who builds the house. And if he has not built the house, he that builds buildeth in vain. And if the watchman wakes up, he waketh up in vain because he does not know the builder of the house. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We serve an awesome God. And look at this. Not only does he build the house, how does he build it? Look at this. <laughs> look in verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone 
Now he has the foundation of the gospel presented to us by the prophets and by the apostles. Now look at the rest of this. Now, when he becomes the chief cornerstone, he builds the rest of the building. Amen. 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 Now this building right here, we ain't talking about this building. We're talking about ourselves now. We're talking about the body. We're talking about the church. We are all under one spirit, and we have, we're one body, but we are many members. So look at this. It says in verse 21, And whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. He has to put the blocks up. Amen. Amen. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you that he adds to his church. I don't get to save anybody, neither do you. Only he can do that. Amen. Listen to what Acts 2 and 47 says. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Did y'all see that? Amen. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 7. So then, he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We're one in Christ. But we work for him. And all glory goes to him. All testimony is to him. All honor is to him. Why? Because he is the one that gives the increase. Any of y'all got anything planned in your gardens this year? Amen. I guess you think uh, if you get out there and you do everything right, you're going to have a crop, right? <laughs> I wish that was the way it worked. I've done that right a bunch of times and just had a flock for a garden. Amen. God gives the increase. He gives the increase. He gives the multiplication of plants and animals. He gives the increase. And he also increases his body according to his own will. No man can take credit for that. And we are all builded together for an habitation. We are the temple of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in us. Amen. Amen. That's why we're the temple. If he's not in you, you're not a temple. If he's in you, you are his temple. You are his building. Amen. How does this all happen? How does it happen? How does he dwell in us? How can we become a part of the building? How can he fitly frame us together and make us one unit? There's only one way. Because see, everything hinges on the comforter. Everybody just do this right here. I've had people to say, well, I never heard so much about the Holy Spirit. That's a shame. Mm -hmm. Amen. Look at why. Verse 22. Because he talks about fitly framing together, uh, uh, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Look at verse 22. In whom you also are built together for an habitation of God. How? Through. The Holy Spirit of God. No Holy Spirit, no building. No Holy Spirit, you're not part of the church. 
No Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Amen? Amen. No Holy Spirit, you're not, you can't be led by what you don't have. There's a lot of people trying to live for Jesus without Holy Spirit. It's impossible. That's why they just hear there, hear there, hunger all over the place. They can't stay nowhere. They can't get anything. Everything just falls apart. You got to have the power to stay. It don't mean everything's going to go right. It means you'll be able to handle it. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, Miss Vicky's going through an awful thing right now with her heart. Some of y'all are going through a lot of sicknesses and a lot of diversity and there's a lot of things going on in our families and stuff. My wife, is, we never thought we'd hear the word cancer, but we have. But you know what? We have the power Amen. to overcome. You know what she told me the other day? She said, it don't make no difference if it comes back. It don't make no difference if I had to take chemo. It don't make no difference if I had to do radiation. It makes no difference if my hair falls out. I have Jesus Christ and he's all I need. Amen. And if he takes me away, I'm going to go live with him. Glory to God. Amen. He is our comfort. He is our stay. He gives us the power to face danger, to face evil, to face death in the eye and say, I know Jesus. Death has no sting on me anymore. Amen. Praise God. Time for us to wake up and give our hearts totally to Jesus. And quit letting the news and the magazine and Google and Facebook tell us how bad the world is. We don't need to know how bad the world is. We know the world's bad and it's going to get worse. But what we do need to know is a Savior that's going to come take us out of this mess. That's what we need to be worried about. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He is going to come. Are you ready? If Jesus came today, where would you go? Would you go? Or would you stay? Because, see, he's coming back for a people who are waiting, watching, and praying. You know what the last part of the revelation is? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's a prayer we all need to pray. That's a prayer I'm praying. And if I was lost and I knew everybody in the church was praying for that, I'd be scared to death to live a day without Him. That's what we need to pray for. Amen. Are you ready? Are you full of the Spirit? Are you saved? Do you have the power? This is your opportunity. These altars are open for prayer. This is your opportunity. If you've been looking at other places, it's your opportunity to come pray and ask the Lord to forgive you for looking at TV and looking at government and looking at this and, look, and say, Lord, I apologize for looking in the wrong. I'm looking at you, right? And I'm turning everything over to you. I've got a secret tip for you. You can't give what's already his. And you can't hold what he has. So give it all 
Jesus is his anyway. And say, Lord, I'm going to give you back what I've been trying to hold on to. I'm giving you back what you've been trying to take and I won't listen. I'm giving you back all the worry. I'm giving you back all I've seen and all I've heard and all I've talked about and how bad this world's getting. I know it's going to get bad. You know it's bad. So I want to give all that to you, Lord. And I want to ask you to do something for me, Lord. Fill me full of your spirit. And come get me. <laughs> what a prayer to pray. Would you stand? These offers are open for you today. It don't mean you're lost. It don't mean anything. It just means you want to meet Him. And you want to give it to Him. And you want to call on His name. And you want to love Him. And you want to ask Him to help you at school. You want to ask Him to help you on the job. You want Him to ask, ask Him to help you at your house. Live for Him. He can do that. He, he can do that. He will. But you have to give it to Him. Lord, here it is. Here I am. Take me, Lord. Use me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me that power I need to accomplish your will, to testify of you, to glorify you, to honor you. Help me do it, Lord. Help me do it at the schoolhouse. Help me do it at the workhouse. Help me do it in my house. Help me to glorify and honor you all day with all my thoughts, with all my words, with all my deeds. Would you come pray? Would you come and pray? Would you just take each other by the hand and pray together? Pray as a family. Pray as a unit. Pray as the body of Christ. We are fitly praying together in this place today by Jesus Christ. What a God. And He's here. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to feel His presence. He wants to love on you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to empower you. He wants to do all of those things. He just wants to be your God. Would you let Him today? Would you ask Him to heal things in your heart, in your home, in your life, in your family? Just ask Him. They don't call Him the great physician just because He can heal diseases. He can heal a broken heart. He can heal a broken family. I've seen Him do that. Just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Be the man, the woman, the young man, the young woman that He's called you to be. Amen. Y'all children are still being born. Marriages are still happening. The Bible tells us that the day that He comes back is going to be like any other day. They're going to be out working. They're going to be some across the world asleep in a bed. They're going to be laughing and merrymaking and weddings and all of that stuff going on. And all of a sudden, there He's going to be. I told y'all here a while back, it's going to be amazing especially in the elementary schools and all those little children. that he says, you got to be like one of them. You ain't coming up here. They're all going to just disappear. Children's church will disappear. They're going to be gone. And the only ones that's going to know they're gone is the ones that don't get to go. You're going to look around and say, oh my, now what? When we study in Revelation and look in the back of the book, 
you're going to see what it's going to take to get you there after that. And it ain't going to be easy. Right now, the Bible says, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When the church is taken out, salvation comes to the Jew. The Bible says they're going to be beheaded. They're going to be starved. And those people are going to be saved because they refuse to bow to that antichrist. That's the only way. All that have is Mark and all that worship him will be put in the lake of fire. There will be no hope for them. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the, is the accepted time of the Lord. Make yourself ready. Because I'm telling you, He's coming. And He's coming very soon. He's coming very soon. This world is closer to His return than it ever has been. Are you ready? This invitation is almost over. I just feel like there's somebody that needs to be up here that's not. Don't hold it back. Let him be your God. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will lift you up. I promise you, he'll do it. And you'll be so glad you did.
Lord, we just ask you for all your blessings for each and every one present here today. Lord, be with our pastors and our Sunday school teachers. Lord, give them the words to say to answer the questions and the situations that they have to deal with day to day. Lord, be with the deacons as they take over positions of the pastor as they help and do the Lord's duty. Dear Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for our shortcomings. Be with us and protect each and every one of us on our way home. Bring us back here tonight. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for your testimonies and for your uh, heartfelt uh, uh, things that you said. Uh, the, how great our God is and, and how you give him credit for blessings and that's what it you're supposed to do. You know, when, when we ask God to do something and he does it, we're supposed to tell people that what he's done for us, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, I told y'all that uh, on Sunday night here soon, uh, I'm gonna start uh, doing a, a, a teaching in, uh, from the book of Revelation and uh, before we get started in Revelation, there's some things I think we need to look at. Uh, we're going to probably start that. I don't know. It's going to be a couple of three weeks. But uh, one of the things that, uh, as I was praying about uh, doing Revelation, it's not something I just said, I'm going to do that. Uh, it's something that uh, the Lord really impressed me with and laid on my heart. And, and in my study of it, and I know y'all tired of hearing me talk about studying in Revelation, but it's just been such a, an eye-opening experience and uh, and the Lord has shown me a lot of things but there's one thing that I noticed uh, while I was studying and uh, you know we've talked before about uh, people who believe in the rapture of the church and there's people who believe that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation there's people who believe that the church is going to be raptured in the middle of the tribulation after three and a half years there are people who believe that the rapture takes place after the tribulation well there there is a, a rapture that does take place after the tribulation, but it's a rapture of the of the people who have survived Antichrist. It, it's going to be a rapture at that time. But uh, I'm fully convinced and believe that the church is going to be raptured out before the tribulation period. I do believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, and I want to look at some scriptures. And here's why I'm so convinced now. I used you know, used to, when we had talked about these things, I said, well, there's three different ideas. There's three different uh, uh, theories on, on these things, and you just kind of read into them, and you pick out the, the one that you agree with, and that kind of one you stick to. But what I noticed uh, as I studied Revelation, if you don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, none of it makes any sense at all. Amen. I mean, it don't make any sense. It what you read and, and, and what you can tell, he's not talking to the church. The church is not here when it's going on. So I want to look at some scriptures. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of First John, or St. John, excuse me. St. John, and, and I may have some people, I don't know how much time I'm going to take with this, because uh, there, there's just, uh, I mean, I got, I mean, these are just jot down notes that, that uh, I mean, these are front and back pages and uh, but there's something that I really did notice uh, in St. John chapter 14 
if you'll turn there and just put your finger there, we're going to be looking at verses 1, one 2, and 3. And it's a very familiar scripture. And I want you to turn over to 1 Thessalonians. And I want you to put your finger there. And you'd think I'd have these all marked up in my Bible, but I don't. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is a scripture that we, we read a lot and at gravesides. We read them a lot at gravesides. And, and it's a shame that uh, a lot of the things that we do for funerals and about the Lord coming back, we don't preach a whole lot on because it reminds people of death. It reminds people of of a funeral and, and it brings back a sad feeling. So I want us to look at uh, chapter 14 of St. John. Who has that? Would you read the first three verses for me, please? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. St. John. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now notice this. This is Jesus telling us he's going away, but he's going to come back and get us. I like this, don't you? Well, First Thessalonians, if somebody has it, First Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, if I could get somebody to read verses 13 through 18, please. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye are sorrow not, even as others which have not, no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we may say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You say, okay, what do these two scriptures have in common? I want you to, and it didn't dawn on me, uh, but, but I want you to look in verse 1 of John. Uh, keep your Bible like this so you can look at both of these, okay? So you can turn from one to the next because that's what we're going to be looking at here. Because this is Jesus Christ talking about his coming back. He's talking about rapture of the church, taking us where he is, where he has a place prepared for us, okay? And he's telling this to his apostles so that they can share it with the church that they're fixing to create when he's gone. The church that they're fixing to pastor when he's gone. And, and so if you look at this in, in verse 1, it says, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? He, said, he uses that word troubled. He, so he's telling us, don't worry. Right? Don't, don't let the things that you're going to see, let them, don't let the things that, that you're going to... Now, now you got to remember, Jesus is not just talking to these twelve. He's talking to us too. And, and it's plain in the scripture in the red letter version, you can tell a lot of times that he said things to them. They had no clue what he was talking about, 
For, so whose benefit for it was it for? It was for their future benefit because the Holy Ghost was going to help them remember what he said. And it's for our benefit because we're filled with the Spirit too and we're allowed to remember what he says. And so he, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now look over in, in 1 Thessalonians in verse 13, and I want you to see the comparison. Although if you just look at these two on its own, you think, well, they ain't talking about the same subject. Well, they are. They're talking about going to heaven. Amen? They're talking about Christ coming back. Paul goes into a little more, bit more detail because he's talking about the dead and everything that would have comfort one another at a funeral or at, a, at, a, at, a, at the side of a dead person and we're to comfort one another with this hope, this thing that we have. And so in verse 13 he says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Why? That you sorrow not. Jesus said, Don't be troubled. Paul said, Don't sorrow. Okay, so they're very similar words. Now also in verse 1 uh, of St. John, look at what he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he says you need to believe uh, so you don't be troubled. Believe uh, faith in God helps us to not be troubled. Amen? So look in verse 14 over in 1 Thessalonians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then also if we sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? So he uses the same word. If you don't want to be troubled, believe. If you don't want to sorrow, believe. You see that? It's all concerning the same occasion. Jesus is telling it in his own words that he's coming. Paul is telling us from the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit's instructing him to say, which are the words that Christ wants us to know. And so this is, these, are, these are beautiful things. So these two scriptures, although they're so far apart, said by, by one by Christ and one by Paul, but all through the Holy Spirit of God. Now look again in St. John verse 1, because I only got three verses here. And it, and it says, he uses the word God and me. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's what he said. Now look over in, uh, in verse uh, 14. Uh, again in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for if you believe that Jesus died and rose again so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him now did you notice that do you see that who does he say here is going to bring them with him God okay so he's telling us believe in God believe in me why is he saying that because he knows all the confusion of today caused by the trinity of God and Jesus is trying to tell us, yeah, I'm Jesus, and yes, there's God, and yes, I'm God, and yes, I'm Jesus. He, he, it's not a matter of confusion. It's a matter of who he is. It's a matter of identity. It's a matter of, of, of God being able to be in existence in more than one place at one time. Amen? It's the omnipresence of God. And it wasn't about uh, anything for God to be in heaven and be on earth. It wasn't anything for God to be in the Spirit and, and uh, uh, be on Christ and be in a man. It's all the same. It's one Spirit. One Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit. And He's in all of us who know God. Amen? It's all one. And so He, he says in this, uh, in verse 14 over here, He says, believe in Jesus and, and God will bring Him. Amen? So it's about believing. It's about trouble. Do not trouble and believe and believe in and what, what you believe in. You believe God, you believe in me. And First Thessalonians, just don't sorrow. Believe Jesus and God. Okay? 
Is this making as clear as mud? Amen. Verse 2 of St. John. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, now look at this. I would have told you. It's important that we see what Jesus told us. And he said, if, if this wasn't real, I wouldn't have said it. But no, now that you know that I'm God, I can do anything I say I'm going to do. Now, he wasn't arrogant. Jesus was not arrogant here. He was being honest and he was the truth. Amen. What he said, his words were true. And although he wasn't doing these things at the time, he had to die before all this could come about. He had to die and the church had to be formed. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit had to be formed and the churches had to be formed before there could be a rapture or a resurrection of the church and the dead. Amen. It had to, all this had to take place, so he's given us a prelude, and Paul is telling us how to deal with death. Now, what is the last enemy going that's going to be destroyed? Does anybody know what the scripture says it is? There's one last enemy. Death. Death is the last enemy to be destroyed. And so it, it's, going, it's going to be here until the end. Amen. Death is going to be here until the very end when there will be no more death. Death will end with the, the with people being judged and thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Death dies there. Amen? Everybody left after that will never die. And so he, he showed us then, he said, I told you, if I had not told you, uh, it, uh, this, is, this is why I told you this. This is true. I go to prepare this place for you. Now look in verse 15 of uh, 1 Thessalonians. He said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So Jesus told us he is the word and he told us and Paul says, I say this by what? The word of the Lord. Who's he talking about? By, by Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this by Jesus Christ, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain <coughs> unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul gives us even more information that not only is this going to be a resurrection of dead people, it's going to be a resurrection of living people also. And so this is, this is the resurrection or the rapture of the, of the church that he's talking about. Now, let's look at some more of that. And so in verse 3, after he says, don't be troubled, believe in God, believe in me, uh, because I told you. Now look again in verse 3, and he says, I will come again. We just sung that song, Rise Again. And in the last part of the verse of that song, he said, I will come again, didn't he? In that song. It was a beautiful song. And it's a relation of, of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that he's going to come at the resurrection of the, of the rest of us. Amen. He's going to come. And so it shows that I will come again. He said, I will come again. And then looking again in verse 15 of, of 1 Thessalonians. He said, for this we say unto the word, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them <coughs> which are asleep. So he says he's talking about the coming of the Lord in Thessalonians. He's talking about Jesus coming back. 
Okay, so he said in, in uh, John chapter verse three, uh, chapter fourteen, verse three, I'm coming again. He also Paul re, re, uh, restates this, uh, and, and, but he calls it the coming of the Lord. Jesus uses the first person. Paul uses the third person. So he says, uh, Jesus said, I'm coming again. And Paul says about, talks about the coming of the Lord. Now look again in verse three, and it says, <clears throat> when he said, and, and uh, I'm going to prepare, uh, excuse me, prepare a place for you. I will come again and what? I'm going to receive you. Now this is where it gets really good to me. Because Paul, when he's talking to us about the dead in Christ, he don't stop with the dead in Christ. And he says, he says, and <clears throat> they shall be alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord and shall not prevent them which are asleep. And so he says, and look in verse 17. Uh, let me read the rest of that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now Jesus don't mention that, if you'll notice that. But this Paul does. Now look at this. Then we, we which are alive and remain shall be what? That's what rapture means. About everybody, the people who don't get I can't understand why anybody would not believe in the rapture of the church. It just, it just don't register with me how anybody can read the scripture and say there's no such thing as a rapture. Did you know there's people that believe that we were saved and we die and we stay dead? Well, that's it. There are people that really believe that. Well, why believe that? <coughs> Where's the hope in that? <coughs> Tell me. Where's the hope? I mean, if you don't just live in this life and you're not going to have another, just have a party here. That's what most people are doing because they're not thinking about the next life. But in verse 17, he said, those which are alive and remain shall be called up. Not just called up, but how? Together. We're all going to go at one time. The dead person, right after the dead raise up, it, this is going. now listen to me, this ain't going to be an event that takes place over a period of time. This is in a moment in the twinkling of night, which is in another place. We're just comparing these two right now. But it, it says, so the, when the voice of the archangel and the trump of God sound, boom, the dead in Christ are going to rise. Mm -hmm. Amen. And then he said, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. You want to know, you want to know when you're going to see mama again? <laughs> right then. Amen. Amen. Now let me tell you, he's got the souls already. They are they are spiritual bodies right now. He has them. Now some people believe they're in a place called paradise. That may be true. That's where Jesus told the thief on the cross he's going to be with him in paradise. But on this day, he's going to put body and soul back together. Amen. Amen. Because see, the change that the Bible tells us about, guess when it happens? Right then. Amen. He ain't going to wait. He ain't going to beat around the bush. He ain't going to get us up there and say, i got to remodel, y'all. When you when the dead come out of the grave, they're going to come out fully resurrected and they're going to come out fully incorruptible and their soul is a pow going to be right there with them and they're going to behold them with the eyes that they have now. And so will we. Woo! I don't know about y'all, but I get happy thinking about that. 
When I know Job wrote that no time how many years ago, he said, with these eyes, I will see him. With these lips, I will speak to him. And we were, I just read in the back of the book, we're going to look him in the face. Amen. Hallelujah. That is what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a child of God. These are the, this is the benefit. Eternal life. He talks about it all through the, the New Testament. Jesus does. He just keeps saying eternal life. He, believe in me, I'll give you eternal life. I'm going to give you eternal life. It, it's just over. This is what it's going to look like. Amen. Now listen to me. This is only for those who believe in me and God. This is only for those who are filled with the Spirit. It's going to happen so fast, we've got to have some way to get out of here quick. That's what the Spirit's going to do. That's the last thing the Spirit's going to do for us before we depart from this earth is make us faster than Superman. Amen? It's going to quicken. He's going to quicken our moral body. A lot of people don't even think that. So he said, I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you. There he said, the coming of the Lord, and we will be caught up, which is receiving him. And look at this in verse 3 in, uh, in St. John. And I will go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. Why? That where I am, you can be there too. Now let me ask you a question. What is your goal? Where do you want to go? And we, we're bad about saying, oh, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Jesus said, say this, I want to go where you are. I want to go to my Savior. I want to go behold him. I want to go look at him. I want to go touch him. I want to go talk to him. Why? Because if it wasn't for him, wouldn't none of us be there. Amen. 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 And so he said, he said, so, I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. Where, that where I am, you can be there also. Now look at verse 17 again. And he says, now look at this. And he says, so you're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds for what purpose? To meet him where? In the air. Now how are we going to do that? Somebody said, well, you ain't going to fly. Oh, yes, I am. Amen. You know what the Bible says when when Jesus ascended, his disciples watched him ascend into the clouds. He was flying, not like Superman. He was probably looking down. And he was going up. the The Father above was pulling his Son back to glory. Listen to me. The Son of all glory is going to pull his children up too, and we're going to meet, we're going to meet him in the air. But that ain't the best part. That, it don't stop there. I get fogged up and can't see nothing. It says, And so shall we ever be with him. Hallelujah. No expiration date. <laughs> Etern that's what eternal life means. With him. Forever. Hallelujah. Eternal death means without Him forever. So these two scriptures right here coincide. They, they, they speak of the same thing. They use lots of different words. And if you don't look at it and put them together, you think, 
Wow, Jesus said that. And this is what Paul said about dead people and people who live in Christ. That there's going to be a time when we're going to be caught away. Now where did he get that stuff? How did he write this? How did he know that stuff? He certainly didn't learn it from the Pharisees. They believed in the resurrection, but they never know times that we're going to meet Jesus in there. Amen. So how did he know? The Holy Spirit revealed to him. Paul had been to a point in his life. Now this is what we all need to know. You want Jesus to reveal more of himself to you? You want to learn more about him than obey him? As you obey the Lord Jesus Christ, he will begin to reveal more and more and more. How do you think Enoch walked with God and was no more? Think about that. Do you believe that scripture? Do you believe that Enoch walked with God and he was in such a personal walk with God that God just took him? That's what the scripture said. He was not for God him. Amen. He's going to take us that way too. But in the meantime, we need to learn more and more and more and more about him. We need to understand what we read. We need to understand what's coming down the path so we can quit worrying about this world. Listen, listen to me. It ain't going to make it. We're, we're sitting in something that's it's going to burn. You know, the Bible don't say it burns. It says it dissolves. There's a difference. It, it disintegrates. The air that we breathe is going to catch on fire. The elements are going to burn with a fervent heat and the earth will dissolve. And it'll be nothing. Gone. Gone. That song. Gone. The earth will be that Gone. Listen to me. We don't need to worry about this earth. We need to get ready for the new one that's coming. Amen. Now, there's a lot of things that, that we get, get wrong in our thinking. We somehow think, well, we're going to leave this earth and we're going to go to, to heaven. We're going to be there forever. The heaven that's there now is not the one we're going to be forever in. They're going to be a brand new one of them too. You know what the last act of that heaven's going to be? The white throne judgment. The last act that happens there. And God's going to say, we're not using this heaven because this heaven has been corrupted by those that have been brought to my throne where I've had to cast them into hell. I don't want people to know. I want people to remember this. I'm going to give you a new earth and I'm going to bring a new heaven down and I'm going to come live with you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Do y'all believe in this stuff? Yes. Amen. Amen. He said, I'm going to make everything brand stinking new. And Isaiah, a long, long time ago, Isaiah chapter 65, and he said, when the new heaven and the new earth appears, guess what's going to happen? We won't remember this one again. That's when it's going to be really heaven. Why would you want to? Why would you want to? We wouldn't have a place of no more tears and sorrows, would we? If we could remember this place. Praise God. Resurrection. The resurrection is coming. I'm going to read y'all a couple more scriptures and we, then we're going to close. And 
And I may do some more of this. There is just so much in the scripture that points to the resurrection of the of the of uh, the preacher of relation, a uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. Another another one we read at gravesides and funerals. <coughs> I'm not going to read it all. Look, just look at verses uh, 51 and 52. Look at what it says. It says, yeah, let me get over here. And Jesus, uh, Paul is explaining uh, the, the resurrection of the body is explained in verses 35 through uh, 50. And then in, in, uh, in 51 and 52, he gives us what, what we call the victory over death. But I want, what I want you to look at is, Behold, I show you a what? A mystery. A mystery, he says. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. And when he says, I want to show you a mystery, and I want you to hear something. The rapture of the church is never mentioned in the Old Testament. You know why? They didn't know what the church was. There was no church in the Old Testament. There was no prophecy of the rapture of a church in the Old Testament. And Paul, when he saw this and he began to understand this and he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to see the development in the, of the churches that God himself was adding to and bringing people into and he saw the power of God in these people, he said, I, I want to show you something. I, I've seen. God has revealed this to me. I want to, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. <coughs> Amen? Amen? Now he's talking about when the resurrection happened, I told y'all a while ago, when, when, when we, the, the people, the dead people rise and the live people lie, right? listen to me, we're not physically capable of going up there. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that? If you take off and go up there right now, me and Brother Gary would look like the abominable snowman that been frozen in an ice cap for a million years before we got too high up. You get in the jet airplane at the altitude they fly, you know what happens if you're sitting on the wing? Don't believe them shows that show people sitting on the wing of those airplanes way up there. They'd be frozen solid. We're not capable. So in order for that, we have to be changed to go there. We're not going to be the same as we are right now. We're going to be changed so we can go there with Him. When Jesus ascended, when He resurrected, they couldn't tell by looking at Him, but He was changed already. When He came up out of that grave, He was changed already. You know what? They couldn't have killed Him again with nothing. As a matter of fact, nobody even seen Him except who He wanted to see Him. Amen. He was changed. When he ascended up, he didn't have to worry about freezing. He didn't have to worry about nothing. He was going up in the air. And he said, well, I'm going to take you up there. I'm going to catch you up in the air. And you're going to stay with me forever. Now, let me ask you a question. All the, the spaceships and the, and the satellites we got, have they ever seen Jesus? Why not? Where he went, way farther than they can go, we got a telescope that's going light years and taking pictures of stuff and finding galaxies and things that we never even knew existed. He went right through them. Amen. Because you know why I know? He's above all that. All of his creation is below him. He's above all that. And he got there quick. 
And he's going to come back just as quick as he got there. Amen? Yeah. And, and so he says, I have this mystery I need to show you. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now look, he said, this is what he said. In a moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We got to get ready to take a flight. Now we get we get back now, but when he takes us up, we're gonna get on board. We're gonna be ready to go. Amen. There ain't gonna be no looking back. There ain't gonna be waiting till I get this. If you do that, you won't go. Amen. And so these are the things that the resurrection is coming in which the Lord comes for His church, taking to her to His Father's house. That's where He said in John chapter 14, verse 3, He said, I'm taking you to a place where I'm preparing a mansion for you, and I'm taking you that where I am so you can be there also. And when you get there, i got a house waiting now. Now, you know what the new... Uh, uh, Bibles and the new interpretations so they don't want to say we're going to have a mansion over there. Room. We got to, we got to minimize everything over there so we can maximize everything here. Amen. I want my mansion, don't you? And there's going to be plenty of room there. Amen. There's going to be plenty of room there. He's going to have plenty of room for us. Amen. And so, he, so he's going to take us to his father's house. And now his second coming is when he reigns here a thousand years. So a lot of times when people are reading in this stuff, they say, this don't make no sense. Because some people believe, if you believe in the, in the mid-tribulation or the post-tribulation, then you've got, to, you've got to believe that we're here when Antichrist shows up. And then if you believe that, uh, Second Thessalonians don't make much sense to you then, because Second Thessalonians tells us that there's somebody that's got to be removed before he can show up. Amen. Somebody got to be taken out before he can show up. Now, who would that be? <laughs> I figure it's going to be the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what's keeping everything at bay. <laughs> He is, he's the one that's held everything up. He's the one where the reason Antichrist can't show up because the Holy Ghost will not dwell in Antichrist. Amen? Antichrist is not going to have the Holy Ghost. He's going to have the devil. Amen? And so we got we got to be prepared for that. And so let me read you this scripture, and I read it to you before. And uh, I'm going to read it to you just this one more time. Remember ye not, this is uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Remember ye not that when I, <coughs> I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So he says, now you know there's something holding somebody back that's going to have to be revealed. He ain't talking about Jesus. Jesus has already came. Jesus has already been revealed and, and told who he was. For the mystery, here we go with the mystery. We have the, we have the mystery that was talking about the resurrection a while ago, and now we have this mystery that Paul is telling us about again of iniquity. 
And he says that it is already at work. Now, can you see the development of the Antichrist society? Can you see it in the works right now? You better believe it. You can see it. You can see people hungry for a man to show up and make everything all better for them. We want a man. That's why Jesus, the Jews didn't believe in Jesus. They wanted a man. They wanted a king, a man they could look at that was going to lead them in war. And that ain't what they got, so they rejected him. The world is ripe right now for a man to show up and say, I've got a solution for this problem. I've got a solution for this problem. I've got a solution for the Middle East. I've got a solution for the oil. I got a solution for electric cars. I got a solution, and all the country's going to come together and say, This guy is smart. Are we ready for that now? Mm -hmm. The world's ready for him right now. What's holding him back? Why ain't he coming? He said, Well, it ain't God's time yet. Well, that's true. But there's something here that he can't overcome. Do not sell the church short. Do not sell the power that exists in you short. He can't overcome you. Did you know a devil can't inhabit you? You know why? Because there's somebody stronger, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He can't kick him out. Right. Amen. Amen. So Antichrist can't deal with the church. Uh -huh. God ain't going to let him. He's not even going to have the opportunity. And yet we know persecution is going to come. We know it's getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, we ain't saying nothing yet. If we don't tell, start telling everybody it's okay to be a queer or a homophobic, we, we're already dirt. We can't do that. We won't do that. Because thus says the Word of God that it is abomination to Him. I don't care what they say up there in Washington, D.C. I don't care what books they write. It ain't okay. It's an abomination to our God. And this nation is fixing to suffer not only for those abominations, but for the murder of the innocents that they have murdered year after year after year after year babies. And they have blood, and it's innocent blood. And there will be vengeance and wrath from Almighty God. Hell will fall on this earth because of it. And they're going to be in the midst of it. And they're going to be wondering why. What did we do wrong? God help us to be that church, to be that wall, to be that wall that's holding that thing back. Why, why do we need to? Because I got children, I got grandkids, I got kids. I don't want them to be lost. He's given us opportunity to show them and tell them you can't do that. Show them the Word of God. You can't do that. 
these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be those people. Amen. It's written plain as day. Amen. And so he, let me read the rest of this. Now I'm going to close. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, only he, who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So there's something, and, and, and it's, it's interesting to me, he uses the word he. Okay? Very interesting to me. Let me see what uh, John said, and then I'm going to close. John 16. It's a study we're in now about the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 13 and 14. Now I want, you to, I want you to count with me as I read this. How many times Jesus Christ refers to the Holy Spirit as, guess what? He. he. Listen to this. <clears throat> Verse uh, 13 and 14 of chapter 16 of St. John. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. You see that? Who do you think he is? <laughs> the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost is taken out, Antichrist will show up. Amen. It cannot show up until he is taken out. To me, that is the most convincing and compelling ideal that, that, that shows us that before Antichrist shall come, the church will be gone. Amen. And it says, when he is out of, taken out of the way, and then, and then, everybody say, and then, Amen. shall that wicked, with a capital W, by the way, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume. He can't show up until he is taken out of the way. How can he be taken out of the way? Where does he live? Where does he live? He lives in us. So for him to be taken out, we got to go. That is our Lord. That is our Savior. That is what he has done for me and you. That's what he has given us. More power. Did you know? You say, well, I don't feel like I got much power. Did you know you're holding that in Christ at bay? Right now? We are until we're moved. Till we're removed, he cannot come. Amen. In the meantime, buckle up, because Jesus did tell us that we'd live in a time of what? Great sorrow. Are we in that time now? We're not in the time of tribulation. We're in the time of great sorrow that leads up to that point. He's getting us ready to go, y'all. And the, and the Bible tells us that as we see this time approaching, what do we need to do? 
we better buckle down and be diligent in our service for the glory of God. Better buckle down this time. We have never seen a time like this ever in our lifetime. Some of you can look back 20 years, it was nothing like this, and it was bad then. You can look back 40 years, it was nothing like this, and it was still bad. You look back 50 years, and it wasn't even on the horizon that this stupidity was fixing to take over our world. And yet, in 50 years, here it is. Full-blown idiocy. Evil has become good, and all good has become evil. Just like Isaiah said it would. Prophecy is fulfilled before our eyes. And if we don't know what the book says, we'll never know that it's happening in front of us. We got to get ready, y'all. Any comments? I mean, first, the Bible says that for God has not appointed us to wrath, no. but to obtain salvation. In other words, deliverance. Right. Then in First Thessalonians, in First Thessalonians chapter one, in verse nine and ten, it talks about how you turn to God from idols. That's salvation. That's right. And then it says, and this is where we're at right now after salvation to serve the living and true God. And that's what we're doing right now. We're living, waiting for the Lord to come. And this next verse, it says, and to wait for His Son from heaven, uh -huh. whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus was, he was raised from the dead. And then it says, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's right. So the tribulation period is the wrath of God to come, and we won't be here. Pre-tribulation. Pre-tribulation. And, and I'm going to tell you, when I made up my mind, this is it, and I looked at these scriptures, and I got a bunch, a bunch. Yeah, there's lots more. There's bunches and bunches of them. And they got a, people who believe in three and a half years tribulation, seven years tribulation, they're not reading the same book. They're, they're promoting an idea and proving their idea by using, pulling out scriptures and proving it. When you look at the scriptures, it's plain that we're going to be out of here. That's right. Amen. We're going to be out of here. And when you when we start studying Revelation, I'm going to keep bringing it up to you and showing you how you can tell the church ain't here. Right. Church ain't it's here. Out of here Chad. It's all about Israel. Third chapter, third verse, uh, third chapter of Revelation, chapter uh, verse seven. The church is out. Of here. Church goes. Church got to go. And when the church goes, you go immediately to John's vision in heaven. He, he first writes letters to the churches from heaven, from, from his vision. He writes letters to the churches from Jesus Christ. And then immediately he goes in and the Lord starts showing him things. And when the fifth chapter of Revelation appears, and the book with the seven seals that is the seven years of tribulation is in that book. And Jesus Christ is the only one worthy to open that book. When he opens those seals, the seven years of tribulation begin. Most of Revelation is taught in seven years. A lot of people miss that because the seven seals are the seven years of tribulation. And each seal has a different set of awful Terrible things that are going to happen. We're going to go over 
and it just scared away out of you. And y'all, listen to me. I gotta quit. Listen to me. A lot of the things are here now. Those demons that come are here. They just waiting to be turned loose. They're already here. They're waiting. And God help those who don't go when the Lord comes. They're going to suffer greatly and see things they never, horrors they never thought they'd ever see before in their lives. I don't want my kids or my grandkids or my great grandkids or none of our kids to see that and be a part of that. Y'all, we got to be an example. We got to start telling them it's coming. It's coming. So y'all get the word out. We're going to do Revelation. Like I said, don't know when. I may do a little bit more on this pre-tribulation. Like Brother Sam says, there's, there's lots and lots of scriptures. And I want to try to show you the difference between the, the rapture of the church and, the, and, and, uh, the, and Jesus coming in the air and Jesus' second coming and the differences in it. I've got an outline made of the differences in it so it's easy to recognize when the scripture's talking about that. Any questions or comments? I got a, did the, the other day, Will on my <coughs> grandson's birthday, I went up there and took him a present and we, I was visiting with my son David. Now they, you know, they were saved last year. They are so hungry to know more and more about Jesus. Linda has already read the Bible completely through and now she started over. She's about a third of the way through again. And David, and, and of course, Zane was saved. He's eight years old. And David said, Mom, he is asking me questions that I can't answer. And he's, and, and uh, their pastor's just fixing to start Revelations also. He preaches like you do. I mean, straight from the Bible. And he steps on toes. But Zane was asking a question. He said, well, Daddy, when we, when we go to heaven, and he said, and Jesus is going to build us a mansion. Will I still live with you and with you and Mama? <laughs> and David said, I don't know. You know, so they're all studying. And but this is an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. And he said, Daddy, I got some questions. <laughs> and I told David, I said, I do too. Mm -hmm. And so we sat there for the long, probably about a couple of hours. While that Lindy and David and Zane was at a ball game, David and I are just sitting there talking about the Bible. And, and I've got a lot of questions too, so I'm going to yeah. uh, write them down and, and listen to me. I'm going to tell you this right now. When we start Revelation, you're going to hear me say, I believe a lot. And you're going to say yes or no to it. Because a lot of it is what I believe. It's what I've studied and what I've seen. And I, I can say that. And I, I highlight it in my journal. I write it in capital letters, I believe. So people who ever read that are going to know that's my fault. Okay? But there's a lot of information given in there that you have to, you have to look back into the Old Testament and see a lot of what they're talking about. Now, my plan is to not do so much of that is to is to see what we've got coming here and what it's going to look like. So, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of questions. And there's answers to those questions, too. And, and my main one, and, and you know, you we've talked about this before. You know, you say that we will, like you said, we'll get to see Mama. Mm -hmm. And I can see my little girl. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is, and you say, but if we're 
Of course, I was married before, and if our husbands are there, we won't be married anymore. Mm -mm. We we won't know that they were our husband. Mm -mm. Then how will my little girl know that I was her mama? Because she's gonna know you. You're gonna be known as you're known in, in heaven. That's what the scripture teaches us. That you're gonna be known as you are known. You're gonna you're you're gonna be by your name, and people are gonna know you. Just we're gonna become like Jesus Christ. That's the best explanation I can get. And Jesus knew people. He knew things about people. He understood their hearts. He heard their thoughts. He heard, so they're going to know you. But there's not going to be marrying. There's not going to be husbands and wives in heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there, there may not even be genders. We're going to be more like the angels in, in that respect. Because there's not going to be marrying. There's not going to be giving in marriage. A lot of people's got this misconception that I'm going to go there and my husband's going to be and we're going to live happily ever. That's not the way this works. Because, see, we're not going to be married to a spouse. Either. We're going to be married to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We, will, we will know one another, but the bonds that we have here will be gone. They will be so much greater. The love that you have, not just for Audra in heaven, but for everybody in heaven is going to be magnified greater than you ever experienced love here. Because why? Because God is with us and He's love. And there's going to be a brotherly love and a companionship in heaven that, that's never been experienced nowhere ever. We can't even imagine how it's going to be because of that. I can't wait. And I've never wanted to teach you. I've told y'all. Well, y'all used to tell me, I'm going to teach you. I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to. But I'm ready now. Well, Brother Gary, if she's not going to be my wife, who's going to make my decision? <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that, we're going to go there. We stand. Would you please stand? Thank y'all for that. And, and y'all, I can see right now, when we get into Revelation, especially as we get up to chapter 5, we're really, y'all are really going to get into this. You really are. And Will you gonna... do that on both Sunday night and Wednesday? No, I'm going to do it just on Sunday nights. Sunday nights. At, at, uh, because we want to finish our, because we don't need to lose sight of the Spirit, Holy Spirit in St. John. And I know I'm moving at a snail pace at that. We're going to really get deep into the work of the Holy Spirit because He's the key to us getting there. Okay. He is the key to us getting there. He is the key that's holding things back right now, that's keeping things. And once He is gone and we're gone, then all that stuff can happen. So we're going to look at, at who is holding it back and we're going to look at what He's holding back. Okay? So we'll just look at it that way. Okay. okay. We, got Thank you. we got a lot of friends that say, I want to come. Well, I hope they do. Hope they do. Amen. We need to get, as a matter of fact, we, I told the youth, uh, I told Carrie and Randy, and they said they're going to come in here and uh, during this time. So I hope everybody gets a, a chance to hear uh, Revelation and get to examine it in detail. It's some spooky, spooky stuff. Amen. Brother Carrie, would you dismiss it, please? Most precious Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the privilege of being able to come to you. I ask that all the ones on the, on the prayer list be healed. Father, I ask all the ones on the prayer list be just brought forward. 
We love you, Father. We thank you for your love and grow tonight. You can be with each and every one here, take them home safely, bring them back safely. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.